As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I forget who made that statement. I think it was last year. It was a quote that was going around about um, working across instead of up and down. Issa, Issa Rae. Yeah, it was Issa. That is, I related to that so much. It's so true because you find people, especially in this industry, that are all about the name and the idea. Like, if you really just work with your crew to establish your look and what you're going for, you're going to get there together. A lot of times people are more into the fame versus the art. I struggle with that. Like, what does success mean? And what and what does that look like? I feel like I was literally born to do this. Hi, this is Itasha Jordan, and you're listening to Dreams in Drive. Hey, Dream Drivers. You know, life moves fast, but time stands still when you're with the ones you love. Savor the moment, big or small, with Starbucks ready-to-drink coffee. From bottled frappuccino drinks to canned nitro cold brew, Starbucks coffee gets you ready for the right now. Starbucks Ready to Drink Coffee is available now online or wherever you buy groceries. Hey, Dream Drivers, this week we are throwing it back to episode 231 with one of my favorite photographers and guests, Itasha Jordan. Of course, Itasha has been up to so much since this episode, but here's a little bit more about her. Having always been somebody who was captivated by fashion and beauty, Itasha fell in love with the medium of photography in high school and soon realized her calling and this desire within her. She didn't know exactly how this desire to be a fashion photographer, visual strategist, as she now calls herself, would pan out, but that didn't stop her from putting in the work to make the stream a reality. So on this episode, Itasha is going to discuss the highs and the lows of dream driving from navigating the New York City photography scene, doing the years of test shoots that she did, building clientele, cultivating relationships, and the road to defining what success in the end looks like for her. Itasha is going to share her personal dream driving journey and how she's been able to work with some big names and brands that you guys know. She was recently named Essence Photographer of the Year. She shot that iconic cover with Tracy Ellis Ross. She's worked with some of your favorite stars like Taraji P. Henson, Solange, Issa Rae, and more. But what I hope you all get from this episode is this. If you have a gift, you know deep in your heart is part of your calling. Believe in what you're capable of and don't stop working until you achieve it. That was my biggest takeaway from my Tasha story. And I really hope that you all enjoy hearing her reflect on what has got her to the point where she is now. 
If you love this episode, please, please, please share it with a friend. You can find us across the board, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Dreams and Drive on all those platforms. And you can also use the hashtag Dreams and Drive as well. And wherever you're listening, please make sure you're subscribed. If you're listening in on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. Those ratings mean a lot. All right, let's get into this conversation with Itasha. Good morning, Raina. Thank you for having me. I am super excited. As we were talking about before, you know, you have been on my guest wish list for a while. And as you said before, it was the right time, right moment when I emailed Mm -hmm. you and you were able to Mm -hmm. say yes, right? Yes, that's exactly what happened. I was like, sure. And you were organized. It was organized. You were professional. Listen, four years in, if I'm not organized, and it's like, I would probably go crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, you know, let's, I love go, starting our interviews going back in time, right? So let's go to Boston, Massachusetts, right? Young, okay. Young Itasha, what was inspiring you as a kid? I had a, a very cool uh, um, childhood. Um, I was raised primarily in the 80s. Um, I would say that I was inspired just by everyday life and my surroundings. And it also um, didn't hurt that both my parents were creatives, or I can say they are creatives, but they don't work in the, they don't work in the creative field, Mm -hmm. but they were creatives. And then I, you know, in hindsight, when I think about it, my parents were also very young. They were in their twenties. So my mom had me when she was like 20, 20, 21. So when I think about you know, after passing my twenties and I think about that, it's like, you just have a different point of view. Right. Um, so it was the eighties. It was, um, my mom had a bunch of, um, of her college textbooks. She went to, um, BU for a short period of time and studying like fine art painting. And my dad was a musician and he had gone to Berkeley school of music and he just played music well-rounded, all types of music all the time, his albums, um, very laid back. He took me everywhere. Um, it was the time of, um, a lot of music videos, Mm -hmm. um, early hip hop, um, you know, going outside, you know, playing doubles, traveling with your friends. So I have a very vivid memory of my childhood and what I did. And I think that probably set the stage, of of who I am today. I think I know it's at the stage of who I am today. And it's interesting. I was listening to a, a prior interview of yours, and you mentioned that your mom was from the south and your dad was from Barbados, right? Did yeah? Well, my mom was born. She was born in um, a very small town in North Carolina uh, called Hallsboro, but she was raised up north. So she was raised between. I think she started out in Philly and then um, made her way to Boston. So, um, but still, roots are from the south, from my mom's side, and my dad, um, his parents um, are um, from the Caribbean, um, Barbados. Okay. Yes, but um, go ahead. No, I was going to say because I mentioned that because I know sometimes, like, I feel like Caribbean culture could sometimes be the "Hey, stick to your books" type of thing, right? But I, I love yeah. that you mentioned that your parents were free spirits in their own right. My and, parents were free yeah. spirits, but they weren't really raised that way, yeah. um, which is interesting. So, yeah, there are bits and pieces, which is probably why, especially my dad, who I consider to be a musical genius, I'm biased. But, um, <laughs> we all are, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, he really, but he really is. Um, 
And um, I think that he's a product of that because um, they are very, my father's family is very conservative, um, Caribbean roots, but they've been in America for many, 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 many years. And it was kind of like a thing in that family where you have a talent you play a musical instrument or whatever, you know, you may sing and you do it for church in church. And, but your real job is, you know, something else, <laughs> that type of thing. But yeah, I guess he, I, I think, I guess I can consider him sort of like a black sheep because he kind of, you know, ventured away um, from that early on. So when you were in high school, did you know that you wanted to be a photographer? Because I know you started taking classes. Mm-hmm. Even for me, like I, when I, my high school, we had to take, uh, we took film photography. So I was in the dark room developing stuff, which I think every photographer, anyone who's interested in it, being in the dark room first really gives you a solid grounding for the principles of what photography is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That statement is 100% true. Uh, so I didn't know that I wanted to be a photographer. I did start taking photography classes in high school between the ninth and 10th grade. I think I took my first photography class I took, I didn't like it. And it was the teacher. He was just kind of like, blah. And then I was sort of hanging around the art department, not sort of, I was hanging around the art department after school. And there was um, a man by the name of um, David Prifty was kind of like you just can't hang around here you can't you know not really he had sort of like a um uh, he was sort of his sense of humor was was a little different mm-hmm. and uh, he was like you have to take a class you know it was so what i'm saying it sounds like he might have been rude but he wasn't you know he's like you have to take a class and i was like okay fine i'll take a class so the first class i took i didn't really enjoy it that much and then i just decided to try it again and i took it with him as my teacher and it was that was all she wrote so I think it was sort of like a natural transition um, to me, uh, you know, taking, doing something artistic, taking a photography course. Um, it wasn't something I planned, but I had been surrounded by creativity, you know, my whole life. Everything was always about, are there arts and crafts? Or, you know, I used to like knit, I forget what those things are called, when you would um, crosshatch in a loom. You know, um, you know, I, I know used to you're crochet. talking about like those little, uh, like it's little grid and then you, you, yes. you use yarn. <laughs> yes. I know like what you're paint, talking about. Paint by, instead of paint by numbers, paint by yarn. Like I was total creative, um, arts and crafts junkie nerd, but I found that I always talk about how mm-hmm. photography was my, or is my way to combine everything I love, which is like art, fashion, hair, and makeup in one place. So that's just the medium that I get to express myself. You you eventually then went to college and you studied photography, right? I studied visual arts. After graduating from um, high school, I did, I, I, I veered off for a second. I went to um, a school. I'm doing quotations in um, <laughs> Atlanta. I was I was raised in um, Boston, Massachusetts, but I went to school in the suburbs like all, my whole life. So I was just trying to get away from Massachusetts and get to some culture. So I went to Atlanta, and I found that when I was in that program, I had to start over in essence. Like I had to do intro to photography, and I already knew that. You're stuff. like I so know I, this stuff already. Yeah, what you mean? because <laughs> I was. I it literally the the program I was in was so good. 
you know, um, I was in the dark room for hours. I was, you know, with the chemicals and I sort of had to, you know, start over. So I was bored, you know, and eventually a year or two later, um, I headed back to a home to Boston, to Massachusetts to do another program. I didn't go to an art school. I went to what was um, an all women's college called Pine Manor, a liberal arts college. And just to get a degree, um, and I looked up, I had a friend who went there already and I was like, they have a dark room in the art department. That's all I needed. Like I wasn't concerned about the program, you know, I mean, to an extent, but you know what I mean? I just yeah. needed a place where I could create. So I headed back up North and I, um, enrolled in the visual arts program, visual arts. And then I have, a, I had a concentration in photography. I actually completed the concentration for photography and graphic design. Um, visual arts is all around multi. So I did like painting, sculpture, um, drawing, you know, um, that type of thing. I studied art history. It is not only, it wasn't only focused on, on photography. And I think, you know, I love that you mentioned that you studied art history because do, do you feel like it gave you, Yes. H- how did it contribute to your, <laughs> I mean, you know, you know what I'm about to say here. Cause I think a yes. lot of people, especially in the age of like, let's say everyone being a social media photographer, no one's studying the art or the, the history of the art form. So how yes. did, how did, how did doing that really help you now as a creative? I can't emphasize enough how that program helped me out and probably would help a lot, a lot of people out. It just teaches you how to think. Um, art history is a lot of repetition, a lot of, um, memorizing rather you're memorizing, um, titles and, uh, years that things were created, but you're also learning about, um, hundreds of artists, painters, etc. And it's just really interesting. And you, you have a different outlook on your work, you know, you, you're thinking more about maybe like the texture or the feel or the time period or what was going on in life. I feel like it's very apparent now that a lot of people aren't in tune. I think in some aspects we're getting back to that, um, loosely, but I have to say that studying art history, for example, only made me stronger. You know, I find like sometimes people like, I didn't go to school. I'm self-taught in essence. I'm a little, I mean, besides learning the fundamentals of like darkroom, mm-hmm. um, a lot of what I do is self-taught because you really learn on the field, right? Um, what you're doing. And when I went back to the program, I just, um, explained to you, I was the only one trying to do like fashion, you know, all my teachers were fine art, like take pictures of this object. No, this is, you know, it's not my thing. And I kind of was just doing my own thing, but I had this background of, um, you know, studying these artists and what they did and how they did it. And I feel like it really, really, really enhanced um, my take, my visual, you know, um, how I see. I think it really helped. It helped. It opened me up to a whole new world. So I have a listener question. This one's coming from Nina. And she's okay. she said, um, what gave you your confidence early on, especially as a new photographer? Let's say you graduated from college. You know that you you have this desire to pursue this this art form. Did you have confidence? And if so, what gave you that confidence? I think naivete gave me my confidence. <laughs> 
<laughs> if that makes any sense, I didn't know what I was getting into. It wasn't a situation where, like, I would say right now it's, it's a little bit more common. You're hearing about people doing photography more. I was just going with the flow. And I was just doing my own thing. So if I back up even to high school, because I almost find my high school education more um, relevant. Mm, I want to say this loosely, but I just want to give an example of how I would just take my friends and shoot them. And I didn't think anything of it. I would go to thrift stores. I would say, oh, what character, what are we doing? Are we doing, you know, the 20s, the roaring 20s, you know, that type of thing. I just did my thing. I didn't think much about who was around me, what someone else was doing. I wasn't influenced by anything on like social media, that type of thing. So I just didn't know, you know, uh, ignorance is bliss, you know. So I had this confidence in this inner thing, drive in me that came from just loving to learn. Did you ever feel the pressure to find like a, a job that people understood? Cause as you know, how you said that during that time, there weren't a lot of people trying to do what you were trying to do. Mm-hmm. W- were you able to find work easy or did you kind of say, Hey, did you hesitate? No, I, um, so part of, part of what is both beautiful and what can be, um, traumatizing <laughs> is that there isn't really a rule book. And I should hope that more programs today are helping, um, just to sidetrack a little bit, are helping artists learn about business management and different options that you have. But I, for instance, my mom has always worked in the hospital field. I had a bunch of random jobs that had to do with um, working at the hospital. Um, I did medical billing, unrelated to her, but I did medical billing for a second in college. And um, when I graduated, I just continued that job. But I had creative friends. And and one of my good friends, Joelle Fontaine, was like, let's move to New York. And I was like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) It was was one of those five-minute moments. Was it really like that random? It sounds pretty like, hey, let's just do it. It was really that random. It was really that because we were going around. There's no, there's no real... I'm not sure about right now, but there was no real fashion opportunities in Boston, which is what I was interested in primarily. And um, she was like, let's just, you know, she's a dreamer. And she's like, let's just move to New York. And I was like, okay. I felt like I didn't have anything to keep me back. I didn't have, I was in my twenties. I didn't have a family. I had, you know, I had nothing to lose. You know, I was working in medical billing, which is not my passion. It was just a way for me to pay my bills. And I figured I would hate to think what um, what would happen if I never did this, if I never gave that a shot. That's a common theme that a lot of my guests say, right? You have to get to that moment where you have that discussion with yourself and you're like, listen, mm-hmm. what are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. It was it was exactly that. I didn't know what I was getting myself into again. Um, wasn't well thought out. Didn't have, you know, like savings and all of that. I just did it. And gave it a go. And, um, you know, here I am in New York City. Ooh, so, you know, as we think, a lot of people listening to this show, they're people, they're creators in their own right. They're, they want to make that leap, right? What were mm-hmm. the first things that you did once you got to New York City to start building the the Itasha Jordan brand? I was traveling to New York um, on weekends. Um, with my friends and we were doing shoots. So there were um, a few kind of like online artistic communities. I think one was Muse Cube. 
I don't think that exists anymore. One was Muse Cube. I guess that would be equivalent to what Model Mayhem is now or was. So you sort of would contact people. Oh, you do makeup or you do this. Um, are you interested in doing a shoot or do you want to shoot? You may find someone that you want to shoot. So I was um, sort of prepping or preparing by going to New York every once in a while to do these shoots. So I just sort of built off of you would meet one person, you would meet another person. I got to New York and I did a lot, a lot, a lot, years and years of testing. You said and years I, of testing? Years of testing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Years of testing, uh, working with models. And eventually I was introduced to... I'm not sure how I was introduced to um, a couple of different model agents and Mm -hmm. you would go in, show them your book. And then, um, you know, you start working with models and you build your book up. I started to advertise myself um, to do paid shoots because I also, again, had to support myself. So all those test shoots were free shoots. Um, Most of them were the, the test shoot, the test shoots with the uh, new faces or established models were free shoots. I then had to start to advertise myself as being able to help build your portfolio. I hope it doesn't sound so easy, like, oh, I just did that, and then I just did that. This is years, <laughs> you no, know? That's why I said, you know, I was I was really surprised when you said years, because I think a lot of us give up after a few months, right? Like, yep. I'm reaching out to mm-hmm. people, nobody's, nothing's hitting, you know? Yes. So really talk about why that, you know, perseverance was so important to the to the journey. It is super important. The tenacity, this, this field is not for the faint at heart. It really is sort of an abuse (laughs) if you think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it speaks back to your purpose and my, my purpose and my calling. Like I was called to do this. You know, there were many times I was calling home like, mom, I can't take this. I can't do this you know, anymore. I want to move back. And it would kind of be like, well, what are you going to do here? I don't know. But, you know, I can't afford this, that type of thing. And something just always kept me, kept me here or kept me going. My tenacity that uh, the, uh, the pay, I don't even know if it's patience because I definitely um, have my moments. I just take it as I'm, this is what I'm called to do. Were you developing a, uh, a style? Because I know sometimes having like a unique I guess people people can start to recognize, hey, this is Aitasha Jordan's work. I I did that, but it wasn't on purpose. I I sort of have developed um, a look or a main look, and I had um, a couple of advisors. I'm not sure if I would call mentors who would kind of critique and give me advice. Well, let's if we if we go back to about testing, New York testing, um, that shaped a lot of my look. When I, before I moved to New York, I was um, a lot younger, not just in age, but, you know, experience wise and what I thought was cool. And I was just trying to do all the things, everything like over the top, you know. Um, But when you test with models and you're doing things that need to work for their book as well, um, they also need to get something out of it. It needs to be very clean. If you want to eventually get paid by model agencies, to, to shoot. Um, and so I had to balance being able to make a living and providing what they need. So I developed sort of like this clean look on, let's say a gray backdrop. And one of my friends calls it Itasha gray, which is so funny. 
So I sort of developed that. And then I did this internship with a photographer briefly, but it was for to learn how to retouch because I was like, I want my images to look like how they do in the magazines. I developed sort of a style or a look or the way that I like my aesthetic, the way that I like for skin to look, for an example. I'm also very opinionated in terms of hair and makeup. I'm, I'm versed, I guess you could say, and what I think is cool. I think that also helped to build what makes my image look, you know, like that's an Itatia image. So you were coming into it with like, I have the vision. I'm just not taking the picture. Yes. Okay. Yep. I, it's like I always knew what I was capable of. And um, so that's what I was, I, was, I was yearning to learn how to do. So what were Mm -hmm. some of the challenges that you faced during this early point of building your career? Probably some of the same challenges I have, but just on a, still have, I guess, but still on, but just on a different level, um, which is being, um, having my images look the same as someone who's more considered to be more established, you know, on the level of being able to be shot for a publication, a magazine, knowledge of, my work and who I am getting out there. What do you mean by that? Do you mean like promote, like you were like promoting yourself? What do you mean? Yes. I mean, in terms of like promotion, like okay. um, that of uh, making myself aware that I'm there, but I skipped a part. Um, I think one of my earliest challenges was I used to, so we talked about testing at one point I burnt myself out. Like I was testing too much. Like I didn't know, I didn't have a direction. I didn't know why I was testing the work was piling up. I couldn't keep up with it, that type of thing. So um, now I have a better gauge on that in terms of you, I was just shooting to shoot. At the same time, you have to keep producing work to get better. But there was a point where I think I kind of burnt myself out. Dream drivers, what's up? It's summer and I know we all are on the quest for the perfect beverage to quench our desire for refreshing. So here's a question. What have you always wanted to try? Is there something that has been a dream of yours, a flavor, a taste that you just really need to get at? Gold Peak Real Brewed is here to unleash your thirst for trying. Real Brewed Tea, Real Cane Sugar, Real Delicious. From sweet tea, unsweetened tea, green tea, California raspberry tea, Georgia peach tea, lemon tea, lemonade tea, There are so many options to find what's best for you. And this summer, we need to try something new, try something brewed, because nobody wants to be dream driving with a dry mouth or thirsty. We need that fuel to be at our best for this ride. So take this as your sign to say yes, opt in, go for it. Because trying is what life is all about. Try Gold Peak. Dream Drivers, Hennessy celebrates those who never stop and never settle in their never-ending pursuit of greatness. Maurice Ashley lives his passion. Through his love of chess, he made history in 1999 as the world's first Black Grandmaster. An inspiring story of intellect and brilliance, his ability to push the potential of his own mind to new levels of greatness is universally inspiring. Visit Hennessy.com to learn more about Maurice Ashley. In the world of the mind, there are no limits. Hennessy, never stop, never settle. Dream Drivers, life is sweet and made even sweeter when spent with the ones you love. Savor the moment, big or small, with a delicious bottled Starbucks Frappuccino drink 
or for a new favorite sip whenever you get thirsty along that dream driving journey, check out the full Starbucks ready to drink coffee lineup online or wherever you buy groceries. Because with Starbucks coffee, you're always ready for the right now. That is so important. You know why? Because I feel like people don't talk about the creative burnout, right? You you, mm-hmm. you think about corporate burnout. You think about mm-hmm. when you're at these jobs where you're doing the same thing. But creatives also experience it, right? Why? why Definitely. Do you, why do you think reconnecting and finding your why again is so important? It's important so that you have a clear direction of where you're going and trying to stand out amongst thousands, hundreds, and thousands of people doing the same thing. Um, you need to know why you're doing things. But at, at the same time, I just told you, you know, I was doing that, but you don't learn it unless you go through it. Right. Like mm-hmm. everything in life, um, you know, but for me, it was almost to my at one point, it was almost to my detriment where it was like I didn't want to shoot anymore. You know what I mean? I would I would come out to shoot for jobs, but I wasn't really building my personal portfolio like I slowed down a lot. And I, I think that there's still effects of that, of me doing that right now. Like I'm not shooting as much as I should in my personal time, which is, I don't want to call it a mistake, which is not good because what you'll learn is once you eventually start to shoot in real life situations for real corporations and that type of thing, a lot of times it turns into what they want and not what you want. Mm, and that's satisfaction. Am I clear? Yeah, and that like, do you feel like you're not satisfied or fulfilled then? Yes, because when you're alone or with your own team, and I'm more of a, a director, a creative director, I have the ideas and the concepts of what I want to do, and I work with certain people and um, to get certain effects, and then you will get hired to go work on a huge commercial job, and they choose everyone that they want you to work with. So you're like, they're like, oh, we hired you because you shot this, you shot this beautiful series of such and such. And we really want that same look, but then they'll go and hire like, you know, several different people that you, you've never worked with, that you don't have a relationship with. Um, and then you're dealing with someone, something more corporate where they may have like 25 people. So would your ideal situation be where you can choose your own team? Yes. My ideal situation would be that or that myself and whoever's the creative director on the job are so in tune, so in sync Mm -hmm. that we both have the same goals. And a lot of times it starts out that way. Like, yeah, we're really looking for this. And then you get in the situation. You're like, this is totally not what, you know, and but you have to go with it. You have to be a team player, you know. Um, Eventually, I mean, yes, the talent to be able to shoot, but eventually you get to a point where it's not solely about your talent. It's how you relate to people. Are you able to translate ideas? Are you able to show flexibility with um, those that you're working with? It goes beyond, yes, I can take an awesome picture. I was going to ask you about the idea because, you know, you mentioned this earlier, but a lot of people now, especially with the rise of social media, but there's so much there's so much more access to cameras, right? Mm-hmm. Phones that we're walking around with every year, the camera's being upgraded. People are taking photos for for um, you know, Instagram, their personal life, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like do you do you wish people put more respect on on the photographer? Like, you know, how, you know that, that there's that Birdman quote, put put some respect on my name. Put some right? respect <laughs> on my name. I do, I do. Like things make me like this is literally my life. 
no matter how much I try to run from it. Like if I see a photo shoot, I'm always like, I'm automatically um, critiquing from an artistic point of view. There's two sides. One is technology is evolving. So it's either, you know, go with the flow and get in tune what's going on. And the second thing is also let's not forget about the roots and the foundation. So I, I, I am kind of, I guess you can say, I feel like I'm always caught in between. Like, so we talked about going in the dark room and, you know, um, traditional um, photography education or classically trained, as I joke around and say I'm classically trained. I was in high school in the 90s and I moved to New York, um, the early 2000s. And that was like on the cusp of the big digital expand. I feel like I'm in between the modern and the old way, like the, Mm -hmm. you know, that type of thing. So I do wish that there were more emphasis put on traditional ways. I think you can see in the work, as you uh, mentioned as well before, uh, I feel like my education in the darkroom helps me digitally because I work primarily, uh, you know, 99.9% digitally having knowledge of, you know, adding more contrast or changing these tones, which comes from that education, early on education of being in the darkroom still helps me. And I can see from someone who might be newer or more, um, you know, learning or younger in their career where they're missing, like an image is flat because they're viewing it only on a screen. Um, a lot of people, too, I feel like are um, relying too much on post-production in the sense where sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, find, I'm not, I love the, I love the art where it's like, try to take it as best as you can in camera, right? And then mm-hmm. use, use the retouching to add to what you originally were trying to do. I, I think it's two different types of shooting. I'm not judging anyone, but my personal right. love for shooting is get the picture in camera and then use re- retouching to enhance it, but don't make it not look like it, what, what it was supposed yeah. to be. You know what I mean? Again, I hate yeah, those I over-retouch just, stuff that me, I'm like, me too. what's going me on Me too. Here? I've advised other young photographers, you know what I mean? Like cut back. Um, you know, I was there before, though. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that I never went through that. I was there mm-hmm. before. Like when I told you um, I did this, basically this internship with a retoucher at a photo studio, their style was over retouching and it was kind of in style, too. But there's an art to that, too. There's an art to the over retouching as well. Um, and I had to pull back. So many times, you know, I'll get someone saying, what do you think? You know, what should I do? And I'm like, well, you should, you know, chill out on the on that on the post production, because a lot of times it's not being done well, you know. And I also find that nowadays the style of retouching that everyone is doing is almost like carbon copy. Like um, you have to be careful because a lot of people's work, they, it starts to look the same because they're doing this one style, you know, that type of thing. So sometimes I'll outsource my work to retouches, but I have to go back over it or enhance it in a way so that it is in tune with my work and my style. Mm. Um, I actually had a disagreement with another photographer early this year because someone, um, I was on a panel and someone came up to us and he was asking for advice on, you know, what he should do. He does photography, but he wants to get into a different realm of it. And I was saying what you were saying, um, get the picture in camera, focus on getting the picture in camera and then worry about retouching after. 
And she was like, I disagree because a lot of people don't know how to finalize their images. But I think that people are getting too stuck on that and not relying on the art of what they're capturing, you know, and it starts to overtake the image. So I definitely, I totally agree. I know that relationships are really big in this business, right? You need to have the relationships with the photographers, the hairstylists, right? What's your go-to advice for building genuine relationships in this industry? You want to just be authentic and build real, true relationships um, and also stay connected with those with those people mm-hmm. that you find that you that you have something in common with because you're going to need those people in the future. You know, they can recommend you for jobs. You can go to them for advice. You can confide in them an issue that you're having that maybe your best friend may not understand. How to build an authentic relationship is the same way that you build a relationship with anyone. I would say that you should have some common ground in your artistic vision. Either you both agree on something or maybe they have something of that they do that you love. So it's very important um, having a team um, that you can rely on to do certain types of things is very important. Were you actively like reaching out to people that you found interesting because I know, so let me give you some background. Cause I realized I didn't even tell you this. And you're probably wait, mm-hmm. you're probably like, wait, she does photography. So <laughs> I, I would say my first love was photography. And I, okay. I, I, when I, I've been doing this, like asking my friends, like guys, did I always have a camera? Cause I kid you not, I I have a picture of a memory for anything you need. So any of my friends like, Hey, Raina, remember my uh, sixth grade birthday party? You have the picture. I can go into my little stash of photos and, and find it so I was uh, like wait was I always walking around with the camera like mm-hmm. what was going on so that was like my first love I studied that and um I didn't study I took classes in in high mm-hmm. school in college I took a few courses and I'm just somebody who loves to document I call myself a storyteller though because I I wouldn't say I am a photographer by nature but I love the art of taking photos you know what I mean to capture memory so for me it's like I've just always been that person, kind of like you, like getting my friends to do shoots and Mm -hmm. not taking it too seriously. But now I'm realizing I'm a good, like, creative producer in the sense that I can get all the teams to the team together and the photographer can work. But I know what the photographer is trying to do. So that's kind of where I am now with the podcast. So I'm doing the podcast. I'm trying to Mm -hmm. get into the production realm because I feel like that's where my gift is. Um, So this just want to give you that that background. So you're not like, wait, what is she? I thought she was just a podcaster. I I love that. And um, I'm of of course, again, I'm biased, but I I feel like um, photography or having a knowledge of how to capture an image is what educates. Um, that's why you're able to, you know, link people together because you have that vision or that eye and it never hurts. Even if you don't do it as a profession, it never hurts to be able to take a nice picture at your family function or, you know, out with friends because someone is always going to be looking for that image, you know, or requesting, send me that picture, you know? So, um, photography is something that you don't, that you a skill that you can always use. You don't retire from it. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And people always appreciate if you have that moment to share because not everybody yeah. documenting it. So, mm-hmm. how many people complain that? Oh, I asked this person to take a picture of me. They cut off my head. Right. They can't get it. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
what what was the business lessons you were learning along the way? Because I think that's also something that a lot of us are struggling with. Like, I love it. This is my passion. But how do I actually get paid and keep getting paid? That's a tough one. First of all, you have to know your worth. And that goes both ways. Like knowing if you're asking for too much or not enough. And you just get secure in that. And you eventually do enough jobs where you know how much to charge for an example. Or um, I have to say that when I first started doing test shoots, I think eventually I had to start asking for a deposit upfront or non-refundable deposit so that you don't, you know, book a shoot and then cancel last minute or don't show up, that type of thing. I think it just naturally comes to us, like what to do eventually. Mm -hmm. So I want to say don't be um, afraid to charge even if it's a modest amount and to always be clear with your, your, um, direction, be clear with your, um, how you want the instructions of what you're doing to come across. Am I making any sense? No, that makes a lot of sense. And you're not, you're, you work, you don't work with the agency, right? You kind of are your own I agent. I currently, I currently don't have an agent. Okay. Um, I, I, I decided to part ways with my last agent, um, because I didn't feel it was working for me. Um, so it'll, I'm coming up on one year of not having an agent. Okay. Cause do you, do you feel like, do you see a difference or do you realize that you could do it? Like you could still work. You don't necessarily need one. I think I would love to have the right agent. Okay. Um, and I've had an awesome year without an agent. <laughs> so there, there's that. I think it's for photographers, it can be a little bit more complex as you get into bigger jobs and the uses of the images, how they're being used, how long they're being used. It can be very confusing on how to negotiate those rates, but I've developed relationships with people who can help me do that you know, when, when I need to do that. But I just think that we're in a, an, uh, a time where having an agent in the traditional, um, way may not be the only way, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? You just have, it, I think it also comes with confidence and being able to just talk with people, find out their budgets, find out what makes sense. Again, building off the experience of what you've done in the past. Yep. So there is like definitely some room for innovation. Hey, people who are listening, mm-hmm. maybe you guys could reinvent, reinvent. That could be a, a niche for people to explore. How do you, a photography agent that works with the complexities of what photography mm-hmm. is now. Um, yes, yes. The big yep. question I have, so I know a lot of people are probably like, Raina, why have you not asked her this yet? Um <laughs> So how did you get to shoot with celebrities and these big brands, these big corporations? Because for a lot of photographers, that's the mm-hmm. goal, right? Like you're, you're, you're covered with Tracy Ellis Ross of Essence. Mm-hmm. That was iconic. Like what, how did you get to be able to work with these brands and these big names? Um, well, I've been working with Essence for um, many years. I want to say my first shoot with Essence was maybe 2010. Okay. So I kind of um, started out shooting uh, maybe fashion story or beauty story with them. And um, they have gone through a series of changes. Essence has a series of owners, etc. So there's always new people. What you're speaking about is this past year, um, there is a new, um, what is her title? Um, 
digital. Um, I have to look it up. Her name is Moana. Oh, I love her. Her style uh-huh. is so dope. I always I uh-huh. follow her on Instagram. Yeah. Uh huh. She saw something that I shot and was like, "Why aren't we shooting with her for covers?" You know, because I had never shot a cover for Essence. I was my first cover. My first cover was of Issa Rae. The New um, Orleans and, shoot was that New Orleans? Yeah, the new. Yes, it was. Yep. And it was. It got a huge response. You know, and I think I was able to show Issa um, in a way that she hadn't been seen before. And so it just grows, you know, you work with the team and, you know, working with celebrities is a whole nother thing. You need to be able to translate their ideas and their concepts too, and make sure that you have them in mind. And there are a lot of people there. They have PR, they have their manager, they have this, and then you have the publication of what they want. Again, you need to be able to, um, like I spoke about being able to relate and talk and translate. Mm-hmm. So before you even get to take the picture, <laughs> there's some levels that you need to cross. So there's a lot, there's a lot of layers to this that I think yeah, yeah, a, lot a lot of people of don't realize. Yeah. There's a lot of layers to it. So, um, I've always, not always, but I've shot, you know, celebs here and there and, um, you just grow. People notice it. Oh, you shot that. Yes. I shot that. You know, um, And it really just takes someone taking a chance on you. You know what I mean? Like, and believing in what you do. What, what's your advice then for showcasing your work, especially in this digital age? Should you be posting everything on Instagram or just the best things? Like what's the way to post your work so that people book with you or want to connect with you? I think, I think it's a personal decision I don't believe in pers- in posting every single thing. I find that that can be, um, you know, overkill. Um, I would say post with purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like show a range or, you know, if you shoot only green, you know, um, if your thing is shooting green greenery, you know, with everything that you shoot, greenery with dogs, greenery with people, you know what I mean? Show different ways that you shoot that. I know that's a crazy example, but whatever. <laughs> there might it is, be artists because, out there like that. You never know. Well, no, there is. But I'm just my point is is like I don't think that you should shoot any and everything. I think that you should have a point of view and a direction. There was a point where I was trying to run from people. I shoot everyone, right? I'm comfortable shooting everyone. Women, uh, men, kids, you know, or not necessarily kids, but older people, you know, that type of thing. But people really respond, respond to my work of people of color. And I shied away from that because I don't want to be pigeonholed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, she only shoot, you know, she shoots this. Now it's like a trend, right? Um, but for a while I wasn't trying to get pigeonholed. I'm trying to show, you know what I mean? But that's what people really, really respond to because they hadn't seen themselves shot in, in this way, in a glamorous, beautiful way. Um, right. So you want to show, um, what separates you from the rest in essence. Like embracing that uniqueness. And I think especially as, Embrace black, it. as black women, like I would say we, we are more conscious of that. Do you ever feel like that? Because it's like, Hey, I'm, I know people see me as a black photographer, but I don't, I can, I can do other things too. So right. it's like this, like, fine line between how do you 
have, you know, let me give you an example. I think this makes sense with what I'm trying to say. So with even with this podcast, when I first started it, it was not only for women of color. And I just think in my meaning, like I wanted to interview all types of people on the show. But it just so happened that my network in the beginning was women of color, right? And mm-hmm. I feel like the episodes that people resonate are with when they hear the stories of women of color who are, or black women who are doing things they, they always wish that they could, or it gives them that, it's, it's a different type of motivation or inspiration yeah. when you know, like, mm-hmm. hey, this this person looks like me. But at the same time, I always wonder, like, hmm, am I missing out by not having, like, more of this type of person on my show? But then I realized... It's okay. Like, I can have both, but just know that the thing that people really appreciate about this show, not the only thing, but there's, they love those stories of women that look like them, too. So there is mm-hmm. there is importance to that. Yeah, it goes back to, I think, you know, the calling um, and who you're resonating with. Um, and and that's, that's, that's the perfect, you know, uh, description of, of, of what that is. So I've become more comfortable, um, with that. And, um, that's what I primarily post, even though I do other things. So you can go to my website, which needs to be drastically updated and you can see a wide variety of things, you know, of my versatility. Um, I struggle with that because I still consider myself to be, you know, I can, I always used to say I can shoot the most hood rapper and then go shoot something that's super high fashion, you know, all in the same breath, you know, without hesitation. Yeah, because at the same time, you don't want to be pigeonholed and people aren't reaching out to you because they're like, oh, she only shoots that. Like, wait, no, I can, I can yeah. do everything. People, people, people naturally do that, right? People naturally box you into things. People naturally, you know, or if there's something that you did that um, someone really loved, you're like, oh, she shoots this and she does that, you know, that type of thing even though you do more. So you just want to be strategic, I think, but at the same time, show a focus um, of what you're shooting. Cause when you're all over the place now, again, when we talk about different layers and different levels to things, um, when you're, when you might be younger or newer in the game, sometimes you are experimenting. That's the whole point. You're figuring out, you know, what it is that you're into and what you want to do. But I think, having a direction and a clear voice visually. One thing I want people to think about is photography as a a foreign language. Like you speak a visual language. So think about how you communicate without speaking, without talking, you know, as a form. And I think that can help. Atisha, do you feel like you've reached success? (sighs) Do I feel like I've reached success? In some ways, yes. Um, in other ways, no, um, defining what success is, is something that I, um, ask myself continuously. Like that's a con, a, a conversation that I'm having all the time with my close, like creative friends. Like what yeah. is success? What does that mean? Is it's not only money related. Um, I think it's feeling good and feeling happy and reaching the masses. Um, I feel like I'm starting um, to do that. It's so interesting because I have been doing this a while and there was something that I was nominated for and you needed to be considered an aspire, not inspired. You need to be considered, um, what is the term that they use? You needed to be considered, um, basically a photographer that is, you, you know, new and flourishing type of thing. And I, I didn't get picked 
And so I was kind of like bothered by that because I felt like, no, I didn't just start yesterday, but at the same time, I'm not booked every day. You know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? In a lot of ways, I feel like I'm helping to pave this road that, that like a dirt road that doesn't yet, that hasn't yet been um, tarred, um, if you will, because there aren't any rules. So I'm like, well, I'm not a household name. Um, I didn't just start yesterday. Um, emerging, that's the term, an emerging photographer. But you've been doing this, and you know, it's funny because you've been doing this for like a long time, though. I've been doing it a long time, but I'm still emer- like I'm still emerging. Like there's still people that don't know my name. I love to. Con- I used to consider myself like the underground rapper, like <laughs> like people who are kind of like in the know, you know, kind of know, but then still haven't reached above ground. Um, I think this year was probably a turning point with having um, four or five covers that I've done this year, but there's still this level of. I still don't have my dream house, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, that type of thing. So I I struggle with that. Like, what does success mean? And what and what does that look like? I have reached different types and different levels of success. Um, It just hasn't been consistent. I I feel like I've had highs and a lot of lows. What was a low that you think like as you said that when you, you, you feel like you're paving the untarred road? What's the low that you, if as you're pa- paving this road, you, you, you hope that others don't have to necessarily go through? I struggle with that as well, because at the same time, I feel like everyone is where they're supposed to be at the moment. And maybe there hasn't been, there's a lesson that I haven't learned yet. Mm-hmm. Or, um, but I also strongly believe that I'm in control of a lot. Maybe not everything, obviously, but I, um, I constantly remind myself that I control more than I think and that maybe I need to be more proactive, you know, my work out there. You know, it's like a struggle because I'm not a person that is constantly at every event. I'm not, you know, speaking on every panel. I'm not posting every day, that type of thing. But I do think that there are more things that I could be doing to be proactive to get, to get my work. Um, and I would love to cross over to other platforms as well in terms of maybe publications that you wouldn't necessarily think, um, I would be in that type of thing. Not necessarily publications. It's really about ads. Um, you know, commercial jobs, I would say advertising the chunky money. Yeah. Is that where the, I guess the bigger question is like, where do you feel like the money or where, where is the opportunity? I'll, 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 I'll I'll call it opportunity for photographers to really flourish if they get access. I feel like the real opportunity because it's nice to shoot celebrities and you know, that type of thing. I feel like, um, real opportunities is to be able to, um, cross over into advertising ad dollars because your work has a much longer shelf life when you're associated with, you know, the brands, you will be maybe uh, on billboards, you know, across the nation, uh, that type of thing. Um, I think that's what the real goal and strive striving to be. In addition to with me, I really put a lot of work, especially early on uh, when I talked about the testing and developing models of colors books 
You know, I really put a lot of effort into showing us, um, which I think is apparent, showing us meaning um, people of color in a, in a beautiful, you know, um, in ways that um, we weren't necessarily shown um, in the past. So I have this other side where, um, you know, being documented in terms of making change, pushing for real change in this industry. And that work is important. So thank you for all that you have done, are doing, um, because it's like you said, you literally are paving the way and leaving. It's like leaving your footprints for those to come back and study you. Like people will be studying your work and that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, that, that is. And, um, again, it's, it's something that I, 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 I was called to do. I I was born to, I was, I feel like I was literally born to do this. And uh, some of these answers, some of these questions, I don't have the exact answer to because I'm still figuring out, you know, someone may be new um, and starting out and looking up to me, which is beautiful and fine. Um, We're just at different levels. We're doing the same thing, just at different time periods and levels. And I think it's so important that you are listening to that calling because a lot of Mm -hmm. people are running from it. Right. Like, and it's and it's once you once you accept it and embrace it. That's when like things really bloom and you really are really set on the journey. It is so true. And it's like not to sound, you know, you know, cliche, but it's like when you break through that barrier, that uncomfortable feeling that, you know, terrible shoot that happened or, you know, um, you really are better and you really learn and you get through and you see yourself in different ways, um, ways that you never thought that you would be able to make impact You know, I know that when moments come up, when, for example, work is slow, for example, I always advise people to create your own work. And I know that's easier said than done, but I found that when I tried new concepts or or new ideas, or maybe I presented an idea or a concept to someone that started to open up doors, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it's, you can't just sit back and wait. You have to be very proactive. Yeah. So last question I tell you before we go into our lightning round. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. as you think back along this journey, this dream driving journey of yours, what's the biggest lesson you've learned about yourself? I think it really surprised me to know that, that I can foresee a lot of things in terms of like trends or what will be accepted ideas and concepts, you know, for a while you're unsure, you know, of yourself, So we spoke about being naive and just going with the flow and things working out because you don't know. Then it gets to a point when you really do know, like you learn a lot and then you, it's almost like you revert back into your childhood or early self when you're shy. I went from like this really confident place to, is my work good enough? Is this? So I found that a lot of strength in figuring out how to relate to people Um, visually and my ideas being trusted or concepts that I do where you'll speak, it'll be a trend like a year or two later. So I really, I think I wowed myself with that and it helps you to trust your intuition. It helps you to trust, you know, your, your ideas. Um, so it continues to blow my mind really. Um, when I discovered that that's actually a gift, you know, just the natural ability to forecast, um, trends, ideas, and concepts. Well, I was just going to say, it's not something that I studied or that I was taught. So let's do a prediction. What do you think will be the trend in 2020? 
this is gonna come out um, in the next two I, you weeks. You can't put right? me on the spot like that. One thing, one thing. Come on, you are the you. You are predicting. We gotta... I'm not Miss Cleo. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm like, not okay, Cleo. Well, then, like, what's something that you just think that, like, or what's, what's something creatively that you want to try in 2020? Then that you know is gonna pop off. <laughs> um, something creatively creative that I want to try that I know is gonna pop off. Um. I'm not sure. Okay. I please, Sorry I for putting you on the spot, babe. Because yeah, like, I just wonder, like, like, is there something? Because, you know, I always wonder, like, how do... Because I was even today, I was just doing a merch order. So I was just buying some gear wholesale to then take to my screen printer. And I'm like, let me go to Pantone. You know how they always have the color of the year? Like, mm-hmm. let me see what the color of the year is. Um, I think, though, from, from the stuff that I'm... I follow a lot of, like, beauty or portrait photographers, people who are doing headshots mm-hmm. and stuff. And I just mm-hmm. hope there's some innovation in the space because I feel like everyone's just oiling everybody up to the max and then, like, yeah. <laughs> just doing the same type of look, yeah, right? Yeah, that, that um, is true. So I'm like, um, what will still be the thing in 2020? <laughs> I think that the goal is back to what do you, um, you know, edging your, your, your foundation yeah. and, um, you know, learning how to think visually, which I, which I, um, speak a lot about, um, and being yourself and not being a carbon copy, you know, um, because there's one, when you're learning, you kind of look in magazines and you say, Oh, um, Stephen Mizell shot this like this. Let me try this lighting. But at what point do you break off and you, you know, do your own thing? Um, I think reinventing the wheel um, is tough, but um, reaching inside yourself and just thinking about what you truly are into um, and finding a, maybe a different way to display that without, um, cause I do agree. You look at, you know, a lot of these things and it's the same thing over and over and over again. And like I said before, a lot of people using like the same retouchers, the same style, the same, this, you know, yeah. I think it's really just truly looking into yourself, being authentic and what your messaging is. Um, and that will show that will shine through. All right, so let's go to our keys to success, Aitasha. You know, if okay. you want to be a dream driver, you have to have your keys to success. So what do you think are three things that every dream driver needs in their toolkit before they hit the road? Hmm. I would say, one, your foundation, which I just spoke about briefly, mm-hmm. um, your foundation, meaning um, the core of what you do whether that's shooting portraits or, you know, the knowledge of photography, I think you always need to be able to like when, when everything, when you don't know what to do, always revert back to that. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. I got that. And then the second would be for me, um, making sure that you're building relationships, um, authentic relationships and following up, um, with those relationships out of sight, out of mind is what I think. And then let's, let's the um, third one. What's a photographer essential? Something you need in your toolkit if you want to be a photographer or in this you mean creative like a physical, industry. Th- like a physical thing, like a like a, uh, a physical camera? or or like I guess that's of course you don't need a camera, right? Um, maybe <laughs> this is specifically for the photographers. Like, what's that one thing too that you should be, you know, you should always carry around with you in your toolkit? A reflector. 
that's my secret weapon. I didn't shoot with my, uh, so my best friend was pregnant and I hired this photographer, my, one of my friends to do the shoot, but I was her photo assistant for the day. But I was mm. also trying to, cause we did her, her baby shower. We did her photo shoot. It was a surprise photo shoot. Well, it was a planned photo shoot, but we were going to a surprise baby shower, right? So okay. I'm here trying to make sure that that stuff is running perfectly. And then she didn't bring a photo assistant. So she's like, Raina, hold the reflector. And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't see the light that you see. <laughs> And she kept telling me I'm not holding it right and like I'm supposed to see this goal. I'm like, I don't see it with Lynn. Yes. I do not see it. So we were so you are never you're never gonna be holding the reflector ever again. So <laughs> that is a very important task and you know, it took me a while to come up with it, but that is like my secret weapon, the reflector. You yes. know? Um a camera and a reflector. You don't need much. Well, thank you so much, Itasha. Can you please tell our dream drivers where they can find you online, if they want to see your work, if they want to connect with you, if they're an ad agency and want to spend those ad dollars? You never know yes. who's listening. <laughs> um, well, uh, my website is itashajordan.com. Uh, and my social handles, which I primarily use Instagram, um, is uh, Itasha at Photo. If you have these things that you're you're inspired by when you're a kid, like don't ever, don't like don't give up on it because it, it's all gonna work out in some way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's all gonna uh, work out. Yeah, that is that is sort of a tough lesson because a lot of times it's like you beat things into, um, you know sometimes it feels like you're forcing it right and we're always told don't force too many things um but i i I have been at points where like i want to stop i want to try something new and then like a job will come like a a a big job opportunity Mm -hmm. it's like all these signs come like no that's not what you're meant to do atisha that you know well, here I am, because you mentioned it, I will not be, I will be fair. And I'm going to send you something that I <laughs> shot. And it's not like, it's really not, it's, it's not, don't, don't be too hard on me. But this is the same girl. Cause she's like my little photo muse. Right. So I okay. did like these three series in a row where I just played around with the field. So I had the original shot and then I had like these three different shots. So I'm sending it to you now via Instagram. Okay. And I'm the ready. last one is where I tried to play with retouching. Now I am not a, I am not trained. This is just me having. You don't sh- have to give me any precursors. <laughs> okay. And the other thing is, I won't be too hard of a critic because I think that you know critiquing too deeply is not good because you might be ruining um, someone's vision, and you don't want to do that completely. All right, so I just okay. sent it to you. So this is what we did. This is what we came up with another day that we shot. This is me. Who's, okay. I'm behind the camera on this one. Okay. I see. The red is interesting. And actually, the original color. So is the third one that you sent me the original color? It's the original I know everyone color. I tr- can't see. Yeah, I tried to do the... I was practicing my skin retouching because I was practicing some like YouTube tutorial. So it's not... Okay. It's my first time doing... Like I was just trying to see how to do airbrushing on the skin. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well, it still looks natural. It's not unrealistic. And it looks really real, like it's not overdone. Thank you. Congratulations. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, the red was an overlay because I was I had these series of of series of photos. I'm like, let me just see what happens if I take the same photo and just do the same mm-hmm. overlay on it. And it's mm-hmm. funny how just doing different colors can create different moods for things. Yeah, I so used that, to shoot with like filters like that, yeah. red filters and different things. And it, you know, experiment and try new things. That's the only way you learn. Only way, only way. Well, um, thank you so much, Artesha. This has been such a pleasure. I know we went over. We really went over an hour. I'm sorry. We hope- went over. <laughs> I hope that I gave you what you needed. No, yes, you definitely <laughs> did. You definitely did. And I'm excited for people to hear this because um, you have just been somebody who I've just been, I love your work. And I was trying to think of how I first was introduced to you and I remembered it now. My leak. Mm-hmm. I follow uh, my leak oh, in Curlbox. Uh-huh. And I think you, like, you worked with her a lot. And I just mm-hmm. saw that she posted you one time. And I, that's when I started uh, following you on my own. So. Okay. Yep. Miss Teal. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Raina. Have a good day. I wanted to know why some people who get COVID-19 get it so bad. I found out it may be because they have a high risk factor, such as heart disease, diabetes, being overweight, smoking, and asthma. Even if symptoms feel mild, these factors can increase your risk of COVID-19 turning severe. So if you're at high risk and test positive, there are things you can do, like asking your healthcare provider if an authorized oral treatment is right for you. Learn about an option at TreatCOVID19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. All right, that was a wrap for episode 320 with Itasha Jordan. I hope you enjoyed hearing her dream driving journey as well as her keys to success. If you love this episode, please share it with a friend, guys. I say this every week and I will continue to say it. Share it on your Instagram page, Instagram stories, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, email, wherever. Just pass this one episode along to somebody who you think needs a little motivation, a little courage to not give up on that calling and that dream of yours, okay, of theirs. Because I really think it's something that a lot of us can easily get swayed to do something else when something's not going right or the path isn't so clear. We don't know what to do. Listen to Itasha. Tell somebody to listen to this episode and they too can feel just a little bit better knowing that someone else has been in their shoes and they persevered. Wherever you're listening, make sure you're subscribed so that you get notifications every time we have a new episode. And if you're listening in an Apple podcast, please leave us a rating and review. I really do appreciate that. If you want to be part of our weekly newsletter, the keys, just go to dreamsanddrive.com slash join. That's dreamsanddrive.com slash join. As always, keep dreaming, keep driving. Don't give up on your hustle. Don't give up on your calling. You have a gift. We all have unique gifts. Bye, guys. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 